Welcome back. I'm Kim Bailey. And she in absentia is Fuliana Osborne. Fuliana isn't joining us today directly. She will be making some comments a little bit later on, but she's not here with us in the room. Today I'm going to talk to Josh and Crystal Hockley. And you will have seen from the website promo that they are what is classed as elite athletes. And I can even say that without too much of a smile because I've known them as many other things apart from elite athletes in their day. But they are what what we would generally consider elite athletes now. I first met Crystal over 10 years ago. She's going to be horrified to realise that that's the truth. Over 10 years ago in my role as a public speaking coach and from there have watched her develop and Josh come onto the scene and... I'd have to say of the two that that the biggest transformation I've seen is in Josh and he will say that himself, that that his life has probably changed quite dramatically from what it was 10 years ago. But I'll let them talk about their own journeys as we have the discussion. But first up, I'm going to ask them both individually to tell us the answer to the question that we ask all of our guests and that is the difference that they see between coaching and mentoring. And in their specific answers, they're probably going to talk more about their sporting life than they are about work, but we'll get them on to work as well. That's an interesting question. <laughs> I didn't really think there was too much difference when I first thought about the question, but I guess for me, mainly, I kind of just thought, well, a coach gets paid, referring mainly to triathlon. So what about in a work sense then, as opposed to sport? In your working life, have you had people that you would consider mentors? whether they've been in the same organisation or just people who you've gone to for advice or as a sounding board? There's people that mentor me like in relation, and they probably don't even know they do it in relation to... I look at what someone's got in their life and I'm like, well, that's what I want. And so I'll basically look at what they're doing in their... <laughs> Copy it, pretty much. That's all right. Yeah. Hear it out. So let us hear from Josh now so you'll know the two different voices. Uh, hey guys, how's it going? This is Josh. It's a very good question. I think, in my opinion, between a mentor and a coach is, well, in sporting and business, I don't think there's much difference. Well, from my opinion, I, I like to approach the business and the triathlon and sport as the same kind of thing. So the way I handle my sport, I'd like to, I, to put that towards my business and the way I run my business is how I run my sporting area with sponsorships. I think the difference, my opinion, between mentor and a coach is I once got told that if you want to be good at something, find someone that's better than you and then pay them to, to teach you to do it. So a coach, I'll definitely pay to teach me to be the best athlete that I can. With a mentor, I think it's someone that you look up to Kim, I look up to you as a mentor. You've helped me over the last eight years or so. So definitely, he even knows how long. Yeah, so you're definitely <laughs> you and Jamie are definitely mentors to me. Friends, our first ones. So yeah, definitely, you guys. Our first ones. You, you know, you, you guys probably planted. Major ones, like yeah, you probably planted the seed in, inside me to make to for me to be the best person I can. But there's things that I ask my coach that I wouldn't ask others because you know I pay him to to be my coach. But then I've got friends that have been in the sport or been more successful in business than me where I look up to and, and I admire. So I definitely ask them certain questions that I don't ask my coach. So 
to me, that I guess that's how how I separate things. If you look at the coaching side of it, first of all, so you've got a coach that looks at what you're doing overall because the sport's comprised of different elements, same as your business might be comprised of different elements. Would you take on another coach that was very specific? So, you know, if we look at the, the rugby teams, there's, a, there's an overall, there's a head coach, yeah. and then there's all these specific coaches. Would you do that? for your sport? That's pretty much the level that I'm at now. My my triathlon coach only just, funny you just asked me that question because my coach just said to me about three weeks ago, I think the next step for you would be to take on a swimming coach, a lack in the swim. I'm not as fast in the water as I am with the biking and the, and the running, so my coach, and that's exactly why I, I pay. See, to me, a mentor will maybe tell me things that I want to hear mm-hmm. where a coach will be blankly honest yeah. so that's where he's like no like a mentor might be like oh no mate you, you, you swim fine you, you know you swim fine yeah. where a coach is like you're at that stage where you 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 may need to take on a swimming coach to yeah. improve well that's pretty much the stage about now yes i could consider taking on another coach just as an aside those of you who won't necessarily have followed josh's rise through the ranks of triathlon it wasn't so many years ago, and this is fairly important in terms of any of us looking at taking on a new task, is that we should never be off-put by thinking that we can't do it, that we're not at a level, because I know that when Josh started looking at doing triathlons, he couldn't swim the length of a pool. And now competition is, what, four kilometres? Yeah, ocean so, swim? Yeah, four kilometre ocean swim. And that's yeah. in, a, in, a, in what we would consider a relatively short period of time. So we can learn these things at any time in our careers and we can take on those challenges at any time. So we might let Crystal get a word in because otherwise we'll be in trouble. In terms of coaching again, maybe you can tell us on the business side of things. If you go to someone for coaching in a business sense, so maybe you want a business plan or a business direction or some marketing, would you... Then they're probably specific things. Would you look at different people to coach you in different areas related to a business or would you just look for someone that could talk to you about business generally? Uh, Probably a bit of both really. I guess, yeah, there's people that just have lots of general ideas and then they'd be able to help you point you just to people who are good in specific areas, I suppose. I don't really go towards coaching with the business side of things. It's more mentors for me. I just look at people who... I'm probably a little bit upfront with a lot of people with business <laughs> questions because I just want to know, oh, how did you get to there? Or how did you do that? Or, or what did you have to do to get that? And then I think, oh, is that something I'd be interested in? And, oh, maybe I could start a business in that area. I have plenty of business ideas, but don't always follow through. With so that begs the question then for me, and I know that that's part of your personality is that you are upfront, that you do ask questions, that if you see that something is being offered that fulfills a need that you think you've got or or something you want to learn, then you will jump with that chance. Yeah. Do you think that that's helped you more than it's hindered you? Yeah, 100%. I've always had the attitude of, I find a lot of people like, oh, well, no one ever taught me that. And I'm like, well, no one's going to teach you anything. You have to go and learn yourself. So... And the only way you can learn is by asking questions, yeah. really. It's like that phrase, no one will give me a job. Well, why yeah. should they give you a job? Why <laughs> couldn't you earn it? Yeah, exactly. So, so, Josh, for you, you're not probably quite as upfront as Crystal in yeah. that sense. Do you find it difficult to ask for 
coaching or advice? I, I think sport has helped me develop that skill. Back in the day, before I started the sport, 100%, I would, I'd find it hard, but finding the passion and the drive to be the best athlete I can, I've learnt to ask my coach and others for advice. So, yeah, so then, as I said before, I've developed a skill to transfer my triathlon success over to my normal life success. So for both of you, do you identify a need or a goal? But We'll talk about goals a bit later. But do you, do you identify something with which you need help? And then do you go out, look for it first yourself or go straight to someone? A bit of both. I like to do a bit of my own research and talk to a lot of... I like to get lots of different opinions and then decide what's going to work best for me. Do you ever get to a point where there's something where you can't find an answer? You can't find someone? We often talk about being self-aware. That's probably one of the biggest things that Crystal and I talk about. When our life is unbalanced or something like that, the first thing that we do is try to be self-aware of it. And once we, we, we become self-aware of what's going on, we do a lot of training together. Mm-hmm. So if we're going for a morning ride or something like that in the morning, we'll often bring it up and ask each other for the advice. We generally try to try to sort things out and then if it gets to a, seri- uh, a point where it's very unbalanced, then we'll go and seek other help. Mm. But we generally try to sort things out between ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And that obviously helps with the balance just generally across all the things you're doing. Because there's oh, so many it strengthens you got to your marriage. <laughs> It strengthens your marriage, it does, it's communication. So yeah, to answer your question, we try to sort things out before ourselves. The next thing I've got on my list is motivation. In our previous podcast, Fuliana and I have talked about how you seek motivation, how you get motivation from others. You obviously motivate one another, and I've lived through Crystal's motivation, so I know how that works. What motivated you initially to change the Um, way you were? When I turned 18, I unfortunately started a habit of smoking cigarettes, and I smoked, smoked cigarettes from the age of 18 up to 28. And it was just time to quit cigarettes. That was it. I was determined to do it. And then I once, and then I, qu- I quit cigarettes. And then once it was like it was done, it was I've quit. I looked back and I was like, you know what? That was probably one of the biggest achievements of my life. Mm. Quitting cigarettes. Mm. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done. I'd, I'd rather do four Ironmans back to back than quit cigarettes again. It was so hard. It was so hard that in my head I was like, well, if I can do that, I can do anything. That's what kicked it off. That's what gave me the motivation. When I look back from the, to the start, it was quitting cigarettes. But you've been involved in other sports and you had a, a job that was challenging yeah. as well. So why this particular sport? I think it might have been two friends that we, that we do the sport with now. They just kind of entered our life unexpectedly and they were so determined to sell me a triathlon bike and they just wouldn't give up on it. <laughs> And I, I didn't want him to have the downhill bike because I couldn't go riding. <laughs> so, so we ended up with our road bike. I ended up buying this triathlon bike and I took it home and I was like, oh my God, now I have to, now I have to start wearing a Lycra. And <laughs> what am I going to do with this bike? And, and then I was already running quite a bit and I was riding and not swimming. I ended up in a half Ironman for my first triathlon and someone asked me, like, oh, how do you go with swimming? And I was like, 
Huh? <laughs> swimming. Swimming. <laughs> so I went up to the local pool and I went, oh, Crystal, I'm in trouble here. <laughs> the entry fee was quite large for the race and I only had, I think I had about 10 weeks to learn how to swim. And um, I like to be pretty vocal with my words and I told everyone that I was going to win the race. And so I had 10 weeks to learn how to swim and then I did and I went and raced the race and I survived and then... It's just a building block that gave me motivation then, you know, like yeah. I was like, wow, well, I did that. So success breeds success, we know it that. It does, it does. And it does help, but there's been setbacks as well. There's been times where you haven't probably performed the way you thought you were going to, yep. where there's been things out of your control that have meant that the result hasn't been there for you or that your preparation hasn't been right. You know, I know that you've had a change in coaching as well. So all of those things that we would see as setbacks... How do you remain motivated when those things happen? I think the setbacks are the most important things to success. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Crystal. Yeah. Learn more from when you don't go yeah. well than when you do go well. That's the one thing that I'm really proud of, Crystal and I. When we have bad races, we always look at the positive side of it. It's like, well, all that side of the race was perfect. We didn't do so well then in that area. So then that's all we have to focus on to have that perfect race. I'm all for the setbacks. I mean, obviously I don't want to have a bad race, but you can race or do something today and have a setback or have a bad race. Two weeks later, go and do another race and win the race. Crystal and I see it with so many professional athletes and so many athletes where they just dwell on whatever went wrong. They dwell on it. And it's like you rock up to the next race and they're still dwelling on what happened in the bad race three weeks before and yeah. it's like and that affects your next race it does yeah. it really so, does and the same thing for, for work for business it well. does Yeah. harder to do for business maybe a little bit more pressure it seems that we're not professional athletes we're just top age group athletes where it's still classed as a hobby and, and we're just doing it for fun. If we have a bad race, we have a bad race. You know, it's, it's not our profession. So, yeah, a little bit more pressure with our running our own business and all that because... Because you have to have income, I guess. If it, rains, if it rains all week and I can't mow lawns for a week, well, then that's a week without pay. Yep. Yeah, definitely a little bit harder on the business. And that would probably be the same if, if I went professionally yep. in the sport. Yep. So, Crystal, for you, in terms of motivation... I know that you've always been what I would class as driven and you've always been competitive. But yeah. You've always gone into anything yeah. with a competitive mindset. So what keeps you motivated? It would be exhausting living with Josh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so what keeps you motivated? Well, obviously Josh is probably one of the biggest things. Surprisingly, he does keep me motivated. <laughs> Even if it's funny to argue over who's getting the chicken noodles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've always been one to always find a way to achieve something or do something and it's just, I don't know, the feeling of when you think, oh, I can't, can I do this? Maybe mm. I can't. Like even though everybody, I don't know, you might look at me and think, oh yeah, I'm highly motivated. I still, there's so many times where in my head I think I'll do this, but then you just ignore that and you keep going. And then when you do it, the feeling of doing it, it's just like, the feeling of finishing your first Ironman is just, you never get that feeling again, but yeah. it's just so good. When you achieve something that big, you think, and so many people say to me, oh, I could never do that, I could never do that, and it, it's a little bit like frustrating because you think, well, you could do it, and I want and I want to help those people in it, but most of the, I guess 
they don't actually want to do it because uh, their mindset, you know and, what I mean? And it's their way of, of not putting yeah. themselves out on a limb and, yeah. and, and perhaps facing rejection or failure or yeah. in, in, in some measurement, you know, whether or not we see it as failure. And it comes back to whether they dwell on the fact that didn't go as well as they had hoped. Still an opportunity for them to learn from the experience and to get some different outcomes to the ones that they thought they were going to get. Exactly. Well, my, my first half Ironman, I, I mean, my first full Ironman, sorry, I didn't even get to finish it. I spent a good three months preparing for this race, got out on course, swim was done, halfway through the ride, got a flat, a little bit further into the ride, had a little stack, broke my, my bike, so I actually physically couldn't ride my bike. And, you know, I still had about, I think, 90Ks or something to go, so I thought that was a bit far to run before I then had to run another 42. <laughs> and I just, like, I, I looked at all the positives of that and then I just thought, no, nah, I'm going to go back again. And then the second year, I, I, I finished. And you just try and look at all the positives of, like, okay, I got to the race and I didn't get to finish the race, but I'm fit and I'm healthy. And look at all the positive things that you got out of it. I think it's interesting, too, for people who are listening to understand the time frames because we're talking about keeping yourself motivated and about not carrying through the negative influences of races or activities that don't go as well as you planned. But sometimes that can be a minimum of 12 weeks, but it can be a year in between. So it's a long period of time to keep yourself pushing towards revisiting that goal, I guess, Mm. is the way to look at it. Yeah. And it's just an interesting mindset that for so many people in business, you know, if they've got a project that they're working on, and it is going to be finished in, say, 12 weeks is probably a good period of time. Yeah. And it doesn't meet the targets, doesn't happen, and they have to motivate themselves and sometimes motivate a team as well. They might not get the, that same opportunity again, and if they do, they'll second-guess themselves because the, the financial pressure's on as well, but you've got other pressures that have to carry you through for 12 months. Yeah. It's yeah. just an interesting... I think another thing on motivation is be um, flexible with your motivation. We probably don't realise this, but sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm not doing this race now, I'm doing this race. And Chris is like, why? And I probably didn't know this until we started chatting today because I find that that might not motivate me anymore right. and I'm not getting that... that intake of motivation so I but I'm self-aware of that so therefore I search for something else something to, else so don't yes. just go oh I'm going to do a triathlon that's going to be one that I'm you know I'm just using that because that's what yeah. we that's what I'm, I'm going to do a triathlon as motivation and then get halfway through it and kind of go I really don't like swimming yeah. don't quit there kind of like go oh well I really enjoy the running side of it so maybe turn the motivation into I want to go do a, a marathon yeah. You know, so yeah. Yeah, be very flexible yeah. and, you know, on your motivation. Don't just use one thing. Which comes into the setting of goals, which is part of the motivation process. You obviously set goals for yourself in the sport that you're doing and all of the other activities that you, you're carrying out. Do you set short-term, long-term, bit of both? And how often do you revisit, the, for the longer-term ones, how often do you revisit them? The major goals that I set is, for me, and I suppose this comes back to motivation, is if I wasn't entered in the races, I probably would, would only be half as motivated to train as much as I do. Like The races is your goal. That what gets me out of bed in winter when it's like five degrees outside. And, and raining. And raining, you know. I think oh, if I don't get out of bed, I've got a race in six weeks, <laughs> I'm going to get into trouble here. The races is definitely the big goals, but... 
even little goals, like sometimes I'll rock up to the pool and I'll have a three or four pace swim set and I just think, how am I going to do this? And I just, and then I, I literally in my head I go, okay, I'm going to get in the pool and I'm going to swim 500 metres. If I swim 500 metres and I, and usually you'll find I'll get the 500 metres done and then you'll be on a roll and before you know it, the four yeah. is all it's, it's over. It's yeah. over. Yeah. Little goals will be like, okay, this week I'm going to have a really good week of training. I'm going to rock up to every session and I'm going to be focused on what I'm doing and and things like that. And then before you know it, you've got three or four weeks wrapped up and you're like, oh, I've had a, a good mm. little build, okay, now, and then you focus on the race. And So that's probably how I set my goals in triathlon anyway. Which yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't agree with Crystal anymore. I think she's hit the nail on the head there. So many people that we meet say, oh, I, I want to set a goal and do a triathlon, and I say, we say, go and enter the race. They just won't set. Like you got to set the you got to set the goals to be to be motivated. Yeah. Other other than what Crystal said, I think yeah, you got to have A, B, and C goals. You know, small goals and big goals. I'm not sure if my smaller goals help me reach my bigger goals. But by having the smaller goals and ticking the box of of just doing it, momentum for you, and it builds yeah. confidence. Yeah. You know, it builds yeah. confidence. Like the goals that I set now are so much greater than the goals that yeah. I used to set. Honestly, back in the day when Josh used to set some of his goals, and I never ever would say this to him, and I feel bad because I'm like, I really want him to achieve this goal, and I'm not going to tell him that he can't, but then next minute, he does it, and I'm just like, well, how did that, how did that even happen? <laughs> so now when he says, oh, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, I just go, oh yeah, this is going to be interesting to watch yeah. this unfold, because it's probably going to happen. And that's probably a good thing for people to hear, because we often, particularly if we're in a relationship we'll think that when we hear the other person's goals, we have to contribute somehow. And that's not necessarily the case. I mean, the fact that you're there is probably enough of a contribution without having to actually inch them forward. Mm. But, and in other, other times, you know, you might have to be the catalyst that makes it happen. Mm. But it, it's a very good point to bring up about setting personal goals, about setting individual goals, about achieving them about adjusting them we talked in a a previous podcast about when you do set goals and how you measure them that you're not always setting goals that measure yourself against the horizon so you're never going to meet it but you're still trying to get there and you're still adjusting as you go along but you're not ever going to achieve a particular goal do you in that sense set goals where you can overachieve or do you just set very specific no, we've actually got a friend that started training and racing at the same time as I started and her number one goal in our sport was to be a top amateur age group athlete mm-hmm. and yesterday she just qualified as a professional. But she was saying, like she said to me yesterday, I felt silly saying that I wanted to, to be that like three years ago and now she's more than that. I'm more for setting higher goals than what you think yep. you're going to change. Yep. Big time. I think for anyone that's listening, if anyone's got inside them a spark that's a very competitive side of them, set your goals high. Go really high. Anyone that I've come across that's really competitive seems to be able to achieve really high goals. All the athletes that I know that are just, they bounce out of the bed, they, they're the first at the pool, they're very competitive, they just crush their goals. So anyone out there that just that has a bit of a smirk on their face right now thinking, yeah, I'm very competitive, get out there and set the goals high because you will achieve them. And it doesn't really matter what you feel you're competitive in at the moment because I know you've both been competitive in in totally different areas throughout your life but you've always been 
You've always approached anything with a competitive mindset, I guess is the best way to put it. That competition helps you to achieve. Yeah. Where just doing the day-to-day or yeah. you know, just going out for a run and doing the fun run every yeah. now and then is not going to do it for you. Yeah. That you need the competition as part of your goals that you yeah. and part of your motivation. That was as yeah. you said. Yeah. Yeah, with my even when I like when I was horse riding if I wasn't entered up in competitions, for me, I'd, some people are happy just to go out and ride their horse on a trail ride. I needed the competition to keep me motivated. And when you go out there and you compete, even if you don't do as well as you want to, you're like, oh, well, that's the goal. I got to it. I got there and I've done it. Okay. For both of you, because you were both competitive on horses for a time, the achievements that you got in those competitions, do they... They, are they in the same rank as, as, as what you're doing now? Not for me. No. no. Not, not for me. Isn't that interesting? Travel is physic, like physical, and I think because we're both such active people, the physical side of it really... I mean, obviously horse riding... It's you have to be fit to do that, but triathlon's just a whole other level, and the and the pain and, and having that battle in your head where you want to. And well, it's, it's a personal achievement. It's very much a personal yeah. battle and a personal achievement. Horse riding's great, but I think triathlon's just you. It's a hundred percent you. So if if something generally goes wrong, like obviously mechanical and all that, it's a bit different. But it's fully on you. I very much enjoyed listening to Josh and Crystal sharing with us their experience in both their sports life and in their business life. I tend to agree with Josh in his saying that actually there is no difference in what they do to achieve their goals in both. That certainly came through all the way. A couple of interesting observations. Crystal said, I have learned from many mentors who were not even aware that they are actually teaching me or helping me or mentoring me. This is a really key point because a lot of people, particularly in leadership position, don't realize the way they do things, the way they act, the way they behave, the way they contribute is there for other people to learn from. So again, knowing that, or if you're in a public eye, in a sports life, etc., be aware of that because you are helping and influencing others. So please let it be the right way. Elite athletes here, they've given us an example uh, with the triathlons where, Josh, you said that basically you had better skills at some of the triathlon aspects but not as much in swimming. And what I really, really like about this is, A, that was not used as a barrier to stop Josh meeting his dream. B, that is absolutely relevant to anything we do in a business life, which is we're not experts at everything and sometimes we go too far in our endeavour to reach something and then realise, oh, but actually I, I should have done that a long time ago and I haven't and it's too late now. Well, it isn't. Remember Josh. Josh did it. He's looking back now and dealing with the whole triathlon very successfully. So if you apply that sort of attitude, you will get what you want. Crystal taught us how not to be embarrassed or afraid to go up to someone and say, look, oh, that's really good. You've done that. How did you do that? And learn from them. It's actually a compliment to the person you're asking anyway. And it help you get better. It might feel uncomfortable for some, but yes, why not? Go ahead and do it. Obviously, that works. The other thing is I was thinking about is 
what Josh said about him quitting smoking and how that influenced him going forward by achieving other things. Each and every one of us could look at what we've done so far and we might go back to one or two things that we thought were not possible and when we look back we say, I, I'm really, really glad I did that and that was the hardest thing I've ever done. When you get to that point, then you use that as your motivator for whatever you want to do next. And again, that is another very good example of that. As far as the public commitment uh, comment, <laughs> yes, we've all been there. You get very excited and you tell everyone, I'm going to go on that trip. I'm going to win that race. I'm going to get the next promotion. And by doing that, you actually very fired up wanting to do it. So it's a good thing because then what you're doing is you don't want to not honour that commitment to yourself and the others you made it to. And because of that, you go ahead and you achieve it. So it's a good technique. Setbacks. Now, those setbacks are what propel you to go forward. We heard both Josh and Crystal say, any setbacks, do not dwell on it, learn from it, don't let it hang on for the next three months, deal with what went wrong, how you can do it better and move on without using it as a negative. Use it as a positive and a springboard for your next achievement. The last one that I'm going to cover here, again these are all the takeouts that I heard from Josh and Crystal, is about being flexible with your motivation. In other words, if there's something that you were doing that wasn't working and you want to retry again and do it differently, then go ahead. And the goals, set, think big. He's encouraged us to absolutely think as big as we possibly can and then have incremental goals that will get us to that major goal. Those incremental goals will make us feel better, more achievement and more motivation will follow from incremental achievement. So thank you very much, Josh and Crystal. I really, really enjoyed it. So there you have Fuliana's comments on our discussion so far. There is quite a lot more that we discussed in the session that we had together with Josh and Crystal. But we'll leave part one for now. I'm Kim Bailey. She's Fuliana Osborne. We've been talking with Josh and Crystal Hockley. And this is Inside Exec. Mm-hmm.